All right, well, welcome back to another episode of the Eat Sleep Fantasy Football Podcast presented by Fantrax. You can head on over to Fantrax.com and enter promo code ESF for a free premium league upgrade. We thought we would hook you guys up with that. Um, So we've got a pretty cool show tonight. Coming up later on in the show, we've got Ross Tucker. So please stay tuned later on to hear hear the guys talk with Ross. Um, And we've also got another division previews. We're going to be talking about the AFC North. But before we get into any of that, I want to introduce uh, the co-hosts here tonight. Uh, first, let's start with Dale DeMott. How you doing tonight, Dale? Fuck you, Dale! Fuck you! What's up, man? Doing awesome. I'm, I'm pumped for today's uh, episode. I'm really excited to hear my interview again with Ross Tucker. Okay. You were there. I know. I'm excited so. to hear it again because it was so good. So good. Dale's, so, Dale's so good. very vain. I haven't introduced you yet. Calm down. Also with us tonight <laughs> is Intern Rich. How you doing tonight, Richard? Are you talking? Shut up, Richard. I'm doing pretty good. I'm doing pretty good. I tried to say a comment there about Dale being so vain, but then I realized that I also like hearing myself on the podcast. Yes. Yeah. Oh, uh, we, out of all our listens, Richard accounts for like half of them. <laughs> <laughs> before we uh, before we start, um, I want our audience to know what you order on Amazon. Christian. For everybody um, listening, Christian Brito ordered M&M's from Amazon and got them delivered to his house in the two-hour delivery. Can somebody okay, let me just email him or tweet at him and tell him that he's ridiculous and he needs to get off his ass, and if he's going to go get junk food, at least do it himself? Listen, I'll give a quick explanation here. My wife needed ink. The ink that we need for our thing is very specific, and they only sell it at a few different stores. It's really annoying, but they had it on Amazon two-hour delivery. So I ordered the Amazon ink onto our delivery. And I said, screw it. If I'm already getting the delivery, might as well order junk food. So I ordered, you know, some M&M's and some chips and stuff like that. And I just happened to be eating some M&M's before did, we started recording. Did you have to pay, so, like, extra shipping to get the add-on, or was that already included? No, it's, it's part of the Amazon. You don't know how Amazon works? Maybe I don't. I, I mean, it's just like delivery, but it's just quicker, right? It's not delivery, man. It's DiGiorno. <laughs> you probably Speaking ordered that Speaking of which, DiGiorno, if you're listening and you uh, want to host a podcast, they don't call us Eat Sleep Fantasy for no reason. So get on that, DiGiorno. You know what? And give us you know a what? lifetime gonna... supply of DiGiorno pizzas. I'm going to talk real quick about the eat portion of our podcast. The other, the, a few podcasts ago, we talked about what our favorite okay, game time first, meal first was. First of all, back, back away from the mic and stop smacking it. <laughs> Well, he got really, very passionate. He got really aggressive. <laughs> listen to me. Well, listen. The other day, well, one of the one of the other podcasts that we did where we talked about what our favorite game time meal is, I said Totino's pizzas. Yesterday, I went to the store to go get Totino's pizzas, and guess what? They don't come in a box anymore. They come in a stupid bag, and they're not circular. They're square-shaped now. What the hell is that about? Totino's Dude. pizzas. What are those? Are those like the big – those aren't bagel bites. What is a Totino? It's just you're talking uh, about little pizza pockets. Pizza. Yeah, personal pizza. Oh. No, the personal pizza, the little ones that you put in the oven. The oh, actual, yeah, right, 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 right. Round pizza, you. but it's like a DiGiorno, but smaller. The best like personal pizzas. Uh, I got you. Yeah, I remember <laughs> that. And you microwave them. No, they're really good for college students. No, you, well, you can, but they come out like cardboard if you microwave. They fucking them. come out like soft as hell. <laughs> Depending on how you microwave them. Okay, I'm okay. lost. Okay, because right, I don't. We know. should stop. So let's get into the sleep portion of it. No. Yeah, that, well, that was it. <laughs> that was the sleep portion. <laughs> All right. So let's go ahead and get into our divisional previews. Division, division, division. Divisional previews. All right. So then we'll go ahead and we'll start it off with the AFC North division. The Cincinnati Bengals actually won the division last year. They had a 12-4 and record. What can you guys tell us about the Cincinnati Bengals? Well, I could start off and talk about uh, the quarterback, um, Andy Dalton, of course. The, the quarterback. The quarterback. Uh, Andy Dalton. Last year, he finished 19 among quarterbacks and fantasy points through just 13 games uh, last year. His ADP this year is 14 
uh, among quarterbacks, which is just ahead of Winston, Taylor, um, of course, Tyrod the Toolman Taylor, and Kirk Cousins, um, all of which I would pick before Andy Dalton. And that's crazy, but uh, I, I believe in those three much more than Andy Dalton. Uh, Andy Dalton is, has been consistent, and he has been getting better over the years. Um, and last year, not to mention, he was the third least pressured quarterback of the season with 29.8% of his dropbacks getting pressured. So that's the third third least in the league, um, only behind Big Ben and Drew Brees. So that's a, that's a pretty impressive stat, either for his release or his O-line, maybe a little combination of both. You know, when I'm talking about, you know, getting better, both his completion percentage and um, his passer rating have both increased over the last year, uh, over the last couple years, actually. Um, his completion percentage has risen every year since he's been a rookie. Now 66.1% um, was a career high last year, and that's good enough to be seventh among all quarterbacks which I think is a pretty impressive stat that he keeps getting better on his completion rate. The other stat that I want to mention is his passer rating. Um, throughout the first four years of his career, Dalton averaged a passer rating of 85, and through the first 12 games of last year that he played, he posted 106.2 rating. Um, that was second in the NFL, only behind Russell Wilson. The, so the average passing rate in the NFL uh, is 89.5, and again, Dalton had 106.2, which is pretty impressive. The hits that Andy Dalton takes this year, and it's my main concern, is that Andy Dalton's losing a few of his weapons. And by a few, I mean his, you know, Mohamed Sanu and Marvin Jones are both leaving left in free agency. And Tyler Eifert, uh, which we'll speak about in a couple minutes, um, is looking like he's going to miss the first couple games of the season. So I want to interject here, Dale, before you continue uh, moving on. What people don't realize about Andy Dalton is through the games that he played, um, so it's going to show up he played 13 games and that he finished as, as far as points per game, a top 10 quarterback in those 13 games. If you remove that last game because he got injured in the first quarter of that game, if you remove that last game, he was a top five fantasy quarterback in terms of points per game. He was in consideration for MVP last year before he got injured. He was doing that well. He was very very productive especially for guys like Tyler Eifert last year Um, when it comes to this year he's going very late Uh, I have him right around that spot I think he's worth looking at if Tyler Eifert is healthy I know it it seems like a little bit of a caveat Um, I don't know whether or not Tyler Eifert will be ready to start the season it seems like he might probably miss a few games so just because of that reason I will knock Andy Dalton down a little bit but once that offense has A.J. Green, has Tyler Eifert, um, I know they switched around a couple of little pieces with their second wide receiver, um, which we're going we're gonna to touch on their other weapons in just a second. But I think he's going to be a productive fantasy quarterback that might be going unnoticed. Um, and he's not a guy that you really have to draft, but he's probably going to be one of those guys that during the season will get picked up because he'll be hot off the waiver wire. I mean, it's, it's, it's a given that all... All three of us here are saying that Andy Dalton's not a top twelve quarterback. Am I right on that? If Tyler Eifert was healthy, I, I would have him in my top twelve. Okay. How about you, Rich? I don't know about that. But because, quarterback is pretty stacked right now. Um, I, I don't think I can put him in my top twelve, even with Tyler Eifert there. Listen, I, I'll tell you what. After Tyler Eifert comes back, I'm I'm willing to say he'll be a top twelve quarterback points per game. After that, I have no problem making like that sort of bet. But I. I know how much of a red zone target that is for Andy Dalton and how much that affected his game last year. Um, I don't feel comfortable saying that he'll be top, you know, whatever, if he's not there. So Look, that's that's my difference. I'll, I'll just tell you a couple setbacks why I'm a little nervous for him. One, of course, what I just mentioned, uh, Sanu and Jones both leaving. I think that's a huge hit. Um, you know, we already talked about Eifert. The, the defenses last year, um, the other defenses in the division – Baltimore, Pittsburgh, and Cleveland. Last year, they all had a quarterback rating of 90 or more um, that they gave up. So, But they're not going to be any better. They're they, all going to be about the same. They, they, <laughs> they, they've all made a little bit of stride. They drafted. They picked right. up some players in free agency. They all, I think they've all gotten a little bit better. Um, now are they going to be you know, top-of-line defenses in the NFL? No. But they have all gotten a little bit better. So it will be a little bit harder for Andy Dalton on this. Um, 
I don't I don't expect a huge season out of Dalton. Like I said, I'd much rather have um, you know Kirk Cousins. Um, I think Kirk Cousins he he has a better chance of finishing the top twelve than Andy Dalton does. Give me Andy Dalton there. Okay. Yeah. I mean, okay, quick. Andy Dalton himself. He's a he's a quarterback that you can really wait on because of you know, the, like you said, the position that he's being drafted right now. You may not even have to use a pick on him if it's somebody that you wanted to go ahead and take a look at after Eifert came back. You were going to say something though, Dale. No, I was just going to wrap it up. Go ahead. All right. Well, as far as the running backs go, I mean, they have Jeremy Hill and Gio Bernard back there. Uh, Jeremy Hill finished number fourteen in two thousand fifteen, and Gio Bernard as number twenty one for the year. Right now, Jeremy Hill is projected to finish as the number 20 running back. He's being drafted as the 19th running back, and he's coming off the board uh, with an ADP of 52. He had a huge drop-off last year in terms of production. He went from 5.1 yards per carry in 2014 to 3.6 yards per carry in 2015. Now, he had the same amount of work. I think he only I think the difference was only like, you know, a couple of rushes more last year than than, than the year before. But his production really fell off. And then Gio Bernard, he, according to Bengals.com's uh, Jeff Hobson, the Bengals could use more two-back sets this season. And since Marvin Jones and Sanu are no longer with the team, Bernard could play a bigger role in the passing side. So he, he he's somebody that I would rather have over Jeremy Hill because of the position that you can take them in the draft. Like, you can wait a whole round and a half after Jeremy Hill gets picked up to look at Gio Bernard. Yeah, and okay. I mean, I don't mean to keep Harper on the quarterbacks, but that, I mean, that's another reason why I think Andy Dalton won't be as potent. I think Jeremy Hill will be a little stronger this year um, and finish finish a little better than he did. Yeah, Jeremy Jeremy Hill, what he has on, on Gio Bernard is the fact that he gets all the touchdowns. I mean, Hill had 11, no, he had 12 touchdowns last year. Gio only had two touchdowns. But Gio had about 300 yards more than what Hill had. So he, he produces more yards, but he's just not getting the touchdowns. Right. Yeah. Jeremy Hill gets uh, the vast majority of the carries inside the five. It's just not Geo's game. Um, if it were to ever be Geo's, gets a little bit more carries inside the ten or the five. I mean, I, I love Geo Bernard as a talent. Obviously, the Bengals invested in him um, this off season by giving him a new contract. I, I really think he's a talented running back, and they're just going to continue to use that them the way they've been using them as a complementary system because it it works they have good two good feature they have two good feature backs why not use them both it sucks for fantasy but i mean the truth is for real life nfl it's it works yeah they run it a lot on that team what about the wide receivers they got aj green they just signed brandon lafell what's going on over there um well really behind i, I really think it's only aj green that i would be willing to draft on this team for me, I have him listed as my fourth wide receiver. I really think he belongs in that discussion with the super elite. Um, after him, you have Brandon LaFell, who came over in the offseason. And they also drafted Tyler Boyd. So they're losing Sanu. They're losing Marvin Jones. So I do think that Andy Dalton will take a slight hit because the weapons, as far as the number two wide receiver rollers, are not nearly as good. Um, it'll be interesting to see if Brandon LaFell can do anything at all. But... Going back to A.J. Green, just to provide a little bit of information there, um, he's a guy that's probably going to be a lock for double-digit touchdowns again. I mean, we've seen him be able to do it three out of his first five seasons, get those double-digit touchdowns. Um, he's never had less than six, and he's you know, a lock for 1,200 yards every year. He's going to play most of the games, if not all of them. Um, he's a guy that I really love where he's going because this year is going to be the year that he's going to be peppered with targets more than he ever has and will probably be the year that he actually gets close to 100 catches so last year he had 86 I really see um, you know 95-ish catches for him this year I really think he belongs in the conversation with the Odell Beckhams and the Julio Joneses of the world so that we're not yeah. looking at a top three wide receivers then as as the elite echelon and then drop off to the AJ Greens and the DeAndre Hopkins you want to put Green in that top tier then yeah, I put Green in the conversation with those guys, and then there's a drop-off to the next guy who I have as uh, DeAndre Hopkins. Yeah, I mean, to go back on Jones and Sanu, last year they combined for 98 receptions. The ball's going to get thrown. A.J. Green's going to take those, you know, at least have the opportunity to make up some of that, uh, what they're missing. And he's just been a guy that's been so consistent throughout his career. I mean, he's had at least 1,000 yards every single one of his first five seasons. 
Um, he's had, like I like I mentioned, minimum six touchdowns. Typically will be around that 10-touchdown range. So if we're looking at a guy who his floor is 1,200 yards and 10 touchdowns, and he has the opportunity to be peppered with targets more than ever this season, give me A.J. Green. What about Brandon LaFell? Any thoughts on him? Uh, what about him, man? Uh, terrible catch rate, drops the ball a lot. Um, you know, he's going to get some opportunity on the opposite side of, of A.J. Green, but I don't think he'll be um, really be able to do much with it. You know, maybe he's a 50-catch guy, you know, 600 yards. If, I, I really don't see much more than that. If he can only catch 37 passes with Tom Brady, I have a feeling that Andy Dalton is not going to turn his career around. Right. Okay. Stop hating on Andy Dalton, man, just because he's, <laughs> you know what, I'm not even going to say it. <laughs> you were gonna say ginger, weren't you? Yeah, I was. I just wasn't sure if that was okay. Is that okay? That's not. That's not I'm, mean, is it? I don't think so. I, I don't know. Either we'll way, find just out. He, we'll find out. <laughs> this could be our last episode. <laughs> All right. Well, next up, then we have Tyler Eifert at the tight end position, who he apparently appears to be made out of glass. What can you tell us about him, Dale? Yeah, I mean, why I could you say it like that? Glass. <laughs> you sound like Christopher Walken. <laughs> <laughs> you see this watch here? <laughs> well, it, you know, in the past two seasons, um, Eifert missed 16 games with an elbow injury uh, and then a few games with a concussion. Then right after the Pro Bowl, he suffered an injury. Or actually, during the Pro Bowl, he suffered an injury. Um, and he got a surgery in the offseason. Um, we're expecting him to miss at least a couple games to begin the season. Um, so, yeah, injuries have riddled his career so far. Um, last year, with only 52 receptions, he had 13 touchdowns. Um, what do you think about him, Burrito? Um, I think he's a guy... I, I know that it seems like just a ridiculously unsustainable touchdown rate, right? 25% of your catches going as touchdowns. Um, but that's really kind of what his game is. When the Bengals get into the red zone, Andy Dalton kind of zones in on targeting Tyler Eifert. Um, I mean, <laughs> if you have a guy that's 6'6", 250 pounds, and he's in the end zone with his hands up, that's the guy you're going to throw at. Um, so it's really part of his game. But like you've mentioned before, his health is always a concern. So um, he's a guy that very much affects Andy Dalton. He's a guy that um, I am not very optimistic right now that he'll be ready to start the season. I'm leaning more towards the side that he's going to miss a couple games and even when he comes back, probably take a couple more to get into form. But if he's a guy that starts to slip pretty late in drafts, maybe he's a tight end that you can get very late that'll that'll be valuable. Yeah, yeah I mean, I think he's pretty consistent. And if like like we said, if he's if he's healthy and he's on the field, he's somebody that you'll definitely want on your team. I mean, I and, and I've said this several times. Like, I'm not a big believer. I'm a I am a believer in isolated injuries, right? Um, I don't think that just because a player had a broken collarbone that he's susceptible to breaking, you know, other bones in his body. Um, I don't. I know that's not medical. I don't know if that's true or not, but that's what I believe. Um, but in this case, I just see so many different things happening to Tyler Eifert. Um, you know, like Christopher Walken said, he's made of glass. <laughs> so there's a couple things that I do want to mention about injuries, and it's just the uh, style of play very much factors into – players getting injured that's the reason why i don't see um for example andrew luck ever having a career like eli manning i i do see that andrew luck plays the style of play where he's constantly putting himself at risk rg3 type of quarterback that does that um that's one risk factor that i look at when it comes to injury the other is soft tissue injuries soft tissue injuries are very much different from you know broken bones and things like that so I don't know. Um, when it comes to Eifert, I think it's more style of play, the position that he's put himself in when he's playing, uh, not necessarily the soft tissue injuries. I think he's just gotten a little bit unlucky. And bones of glass. <laughs> I think that wraps up for Eifert. I mean, he, he's injury prone and touchdown dependent. Next up is the Pittsburgh Steelers. They had a 10-6 and record. They finished number two in the division last year. At quarterback, of course, they got Big Ben coming back. He only played 12 games last year, but he had a hell of a 12 games. Uh, he had over 300 yards per game for the second straight year. He actually finished with 328 yards per game, which ranked number one among QBs, and it was the highest of his career, too. 
Uh, had he played a full 16 games, he would have finished with over 5,000 yards, 5250 to be exact, which would have been a third most of all time. The thing about Roethlisberger, though, is he does throw a lot of interceptions as well, which he had 16 last year in only 12 games. I think the league high was 17 or 19 touchdowns in a season for for last year. Uh, he's still he's still a value though, not a value, but he's still very very good. He's coming off the boards as the fifth quarterback. A little too high personally for me. He's going as the 58th pick overall, which is at the end of the fifth round. I'd rather be targeting a quarterback somewhere in the sixth round, maybe even the seventh. Uh, I'd go for players like, you know, Drew Brees, Eli Manning, Carson Palmer. I'd probably take all three of those guys over Ben Roethlisberger unless he shows me you know, something really, really good in the, in the preseason. What do you guys yeah, think? I, I don't I don't think – I don't like his value there. There's guys I'd rather have in that spot. And I've kind of I've kind of exhausted this point already. Um, there's just there's no way that I'm taking Big Ben at the spot that he's going. I'm not taking him over Drew Brees. I'm not, not taking him over you know a lot of the guys that are going after him. I just think it's it's absurd for a guy that's never really had a full season where he's put it all together. Could he do it? Could he make me look stupid this year? Yes. But in his entire NFL career. He hasn't done it up to this point. Why would I bet on that track record? Everybody right. is pretty high on Roethlisberger coming into this year, including Vegas. He's number two right now on the list of odds for who's going to win the MVP award in 2016. I think his odds were something like 7-1. to one. He was only behind Aaron Rodgers. I mean, if uh, I guess this question is for both of you. I mean, yes, we agree, you know, Ben Roethlisberger is being taken way too early. But do you not think that he's going to have more fantasy points than Eli Manning at the end of the season? I don't. You think he'll have more That's... fantasy points than Andrew Luck? I don't. Okay. How about you, Richard? Yeah, Eli Manning was is, is the toughest choice. Uh, that's that's going to be close between Big Ben and Eli Manning. <laughs> All right. I've, I'd obviously rather have Rod, Rodgers, Cam Newton, Russell Wilson. I'd rather have Luck, Breeze, Palmer, Eli, Blake Bortles. And that's probably about where Yuck. I put him up. Yeah, I'm pretty yep. I'm pretty high on Bortles this year, but I think I'd rather still take Big Ben there. Yeah. Nope. We could put that as a bet on the board. No, we, ben, we can't say that. Well, are are we talking are we talking points per game or are we talking fantasy points total for the season? Total fantasy that's, points. That's that's the caveat, right? right? You never you really don't ever know if he's gonna play a full season. You really you know, he's just a guy why I don't understand drafting him and, and he's adjusted a little bit, right? So he's now going um, as the sixth quarterback. He was going as the fifth a couple weeks ago. So finally, Drew Brees has, has gone over him in drafts. But still, give me Palmer. Give me Eli Manning. Um, give me some of those other guys. His value hasn't adjusted enough for me. Look, he hasn't missed that many games. I mean, last year he played 12. But the two years before that, he played a full 16. Um, you know, I mean, he's peppered in a couple games here and there. But it's not like the guy's always injured. And he's a, he's a steady you know, 20-pointer or above in fantasy points uh, per game. Um, don't overreact and say that he's never on the field or, you know, yeah, he had problems last year, but um, I think you're overreacting a little bit. Right. As far as um, as far as far the, the running backs go, of course, they got Le'Veon Bell and D'Angelo Williams in the backfield. Really interesting situation. I'm sure that we're going to have uh, a little back and, back and forth here because Brito feels strongly about taking Le'Veon Bell. Whereas Dale and I don't feel as strongly about taking him and D'Angelo Williams with one of our first few picks. But either way, with Le'Veon Bell facing the four-game suspension, he's still coming off the board as the as the around the number seven running back in some of the mocks take that I've him. done. Take him. As as the number seven running back, you'll take him? No, no, no. I said somebody else can take him. I dare oh, him. Okay. Yeah. I'll take him. Yeah. yeah Bree, Bree. I have I have him right now as my, my tenth running back, and I might even start start leaving start to move him up. Um if I can get Pittsburgh running back, and I'll say this as many times as possible, we saw how ridiculously productive that position can be, whether or not it's Le'Veon Bell, uh, whether it's D'Angelo Williams, whoever is put into that role. Obviously, I think Le'Veon Bell is a much more talented player at this point in his career than D'Angelo Williams. But whoever is on the field is going to get the extreme lion's share of the carries and they will be a top five fantasy running back. So if I have to spend a late second rounder and then I have to come back with a late sixth rounder, early seventh rounder, I'm 
absolutely okay doing so to get a top five running back. Absolutely. But that's the thing. No is, doubt about you're, it. You're talking about a late second rounder. A late second rounder, I might be okay with that, but he hasn't reached that point yet. He will. He will with four game suspension. He probably will. Where where would you have him amongst running backs? As far as drafting him, yeah. Outside I'd, the top twelve. I, yeah, I'd put him outside the top twelve easily. Okay. I mean, if look, you're if you're putting him outside the top twelve, that's gonna make him fall into the third round. That's absurd. Like, he's that's not going to happen. Exactly. Right? But and if that's you put why, him if you put him at nine or ten. He'll fall, he'll be in in the second round, and if it's late second round, I will absolutely take Le'Veon Bell. The problem, look, okay, how about answer this question? Do you think that Le'Veon Bell, when he comes back, if he's getting seventy five percent of the workload, do you think he's still worth taking in the second round? Because that's I think that D'Angelo Williams, and this is my whole hang up. This is why I have him ranked so low right now. Is I I'm not convinced that Le'Veon Bell is going to come back and take take back 100% of the workload this time. Um, I, don't, I don't know if it's punishment, I but I think Williams will be serviceable enough where he's going to he's gonna take some work away from Le'Veon Bell. It's take not going to be... I don't. Take, take a look at the article that one of our writers just wrote, Bobby Korecki. I hope I'm saying his name right. But he wrote about, the Le- he wrote about Le'Veon Bell and D'Angelo Williams, and he showed that when they were both in the game, it was Lev Bell who was taking all the carries. Yeah. D'Angelo Williams had, I think, at most five touches in one of the games that, I, that Le'Veon Bell actually played in. I'm, I'm let's, speculating. Let's that. make this simple because you're saying you're saying 12th or 13th running back. Would you rather have Le'Veon Bell or Mark Ingram? Mark Ingram. Yeah, Ingram for me. Then that's the argument that I'm making. I'd much rather have Le'Veon Bell. Mark Ingram's probably going to miss a couple games anyways. Give me Le'Veon Bell, who's going to be when he plays a top three fantasy running back. Mm. So you would so so you would rather take then two two out of your first six seven or eight picks depending on uh, where D'Angelo Williams ends up falling. You would rather take Lev Bell and D'Angelo Williams over say using your first round your first round pick as Lamar Miller and then picking up like a Kobe Fleener or a Melvin Gordon or a Michael Crabtree in the seventh. But it's not your first round pick. There's no way that Lev Bell is still going to be drafted in the first round. Because you're not going to take him over Gurley, Johnson, Peterson, Elliott, Miller, Charles. No, but he so. but he'll but he'll be falling to the end of the first round after Gurley and you know everybody but else. He is won't be take because him. nobody's going to. Dra- okay, so average draft position for Jamal Charles right now is end of the first, start of the second. No one's going to be drafting Bell there. No one's going to be drafting Bell ahead of ahead of Miller. What I'm saying is slot him in around that Doug Martin, Mark Ingram area. I I I'll take Bell there. Okay, I, I disagree. But I mean, you're, look, people are not only people are going to reach for Bell and take him in a second, but people are going to be reaching for Williams. Big time. And and you're going to have to get Williams earlier than you want to have a decent second running back. Um, it's it's absurd. I would take a look at the person at the person's team who took Bell, and I would see if there's anybody on their team that I want, and then I would reach for <laughs> D'Angelo Williams and try to make a trade after the after the draft. All right. Yeah. All right we're At least I, see. I, I knew that we were going to talk a lot about. This is now the third straight podcast that we've had this argument, <laughs> and it's great. The next player, though, I think we can all agree on Antonio Brown. He's going as the number one wide receiver. He's going to finish as the number one wide receiver. You guys have any problem with that? Mm. I can make um, a joke here, but no, you're right. Yeah, it, he'll be a top three wide receiver for sure. He's finished number one last two years in a row, so yeah. I don't think anybody has a problem with him being number one. There's a few places that'll have him two or three. Yeah. Um, yeah. He probably has the greatest chance of become being the number one wide receiver, but yeah, he, yeah. he could be if a top If you're playing three. the probability game, yeah. he's, he's going to be the top three wide receiver. Um, <clears throat> yep, that's it. Yeah. There's not a lot to say there, man. He's If you're in the top of drafts and you want to go, you want to start your team with a wide receiver, he is a great choice at the top of your draft. Yep, no problem at all taking him number one. Now, on the other side of him, where Martavis Bryant would have been, he's actually suspended for the entire season for violating the league's substance abuse policy. So instead, we could see a big bump for Marcus Wheaton. Last year, he did finish as a 40th wide receiver. He had 44 catches, just under 750 yards, and five touchdowns. Right now, he's projected to be the 42nd wide receiver in the league, and he's coming off the board at around number 105 overall, which is the end of the ninth round. 
So you could be looking at drafting him as your second or third bench player. What do you guys think? Yeah, I, I think his draft position right now is really juicy. Uh, if he falls to me um, as late as you're saying that he's, he's fallen on mocks, um, yeah, I'm, I'm getting myself some Marcus Wheaton. It, it's got, it's, there's a pretty good combination of things happening right now between Martavis Bryant being suspended and Marcus Wheaton being in a contract year. Those 50 catches that, that Martavis Bryant had last year, they've got to go to somebody. He had f- Do you guys uh, know why Martavis Bryant was suspended? He violated the league's substance abuse policy. Because he was uh, high on pot news. <laughs> <laughs> For the five people that are going to get that reference. That's pretty funny. <laughs> this is for you guys. <laughs> You've been sitting on that one for a while, haven't you? Yeah, I, I was trying to get that in there. So, I think Marcus Wheaton's being drafted at a pretty fair value, but there's just maybe a couple of guys that are going in his area that I would slightly rather have. Um, for example, Willie Sneed right now is being drafted two, uh, three spots behind him uh, as far as the wide receiver position. I think I would rather have Sneed um, in that offense. Um, I, I really see more good things coming from Sneed. But I still think Wheaton is going to have a fine season. I think he's being undervalued. Too many people talking about Sammy Coates being the guy that might replace um Martavis Bryant, but I think it'll be Wheaton, and I think he'll do an okay job. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I don't All have right. a problem with taking Snead over Wheaton, uh, but like I said, this is a contract year for Wheaton. the The last time that happened, it was Emmanuel Sanders when he had his contract year with the Steelers. That was the year that he had his best year with the team. So, same thing could happen right now with Wheaton. Marcus Wheaton or Kevin White? <sighs> Kevin White. I'll take. Uh, I'll take Wheaton. I'll take I'll take the upside of Kevin White. I really think that he has the potential to be a beast. Uh, let's not forget that he was the number seventh pick in the NFL draft for a reason. Yeah. How about Mar- okay? Well, just one more quick one: Marcus Wheaton or Torrey Smith? Wheaton. Um. Damn. I will take Tor- Smith. Yeah, I was about to say Torrey Smith, Chip Kelly. Yeah, I'll take Smith. Yeah, me too. Right. I think Wheaton will be more consistent, but at that spot where you're drafting, I, I think I'd rather have the upside play. It kind of depends on your roster um, buildup. If you need a consistent guy that's going to plug in for a couple weeks, I'll take Wheaton. If you want a guy that's going to be an upside play, I'll take Smith. Yeah. Cool. What else you got? Well, finishing up the, the Steelers then is Ladarius Green. He is coming into the draft as the – Number ninth tight end coming off the board. He's coming off around the end of the seventh round, 93 overall. He finished last year with 37 catches, 429 yards, and four touchdowns. He's coming into the new team that was with the, the with the Chargers. Coming to the Steelers, he has to replace Heath Miller, who did retire. Now, last year he had 60 receptions for over 500 yards and two touchdowns. And Ladarius Green is going to be the clear starter. So, I mean, I've got no problem picking Ladarius Green as the number nine wide uh, tight end. Not too sure about that, but he can be productive in that offense. Oh yeah, definitely. Yeah. I think he'll have a fine season. Um, he's going right exactly where I would have him, so I think his value is fair enough, and he'll end the season as around a top ten yeah. fantasy. Yeah, yeah he, he's end. being if, he's being drafted around you know like Gary Barnage and Zach Ertz. I'll take Ladarius Green all day ahead of Barnage if RG three is named the starter. And I'm still tossing it up between between Green and Ertz. I'm, I'm I still haven't chosen which one I would rather take there. Yeah, I got Ertz one spot higher, but I think it's they're back to back. Yeah, yeah. I, I mean I, I always suggest if you're starting one tight end to draft one tight end, and Ladarius Green is worth uh, worth drafting and starting from week one. <laughs> All right, next up then we have the Baltimore Ravens. What do we think about them, Dale? Well, um, I'll start with the quarterback first, uh, Joe Flacco. Um, last year, he tore his ACL and MCL in Week 11, uh, but before the injury, he passed for just under 2,800 yards, which isn't too bad, uh, 28 yards through 11 weeks. Um, the problem is that he had 14 touchdowns at 12 interceptions. Um, Flacco has never been quarterback one uh, statistically. Through his eight years, Flacco has never passed for anything more than 30, yard, uh, 30 touchdowns or 4,000 yards, um, so just not quarterback one standards. His best season in 2014, Flacco finished top 12. 
if that gives you any kind of indication of what kind of quarterback we're dealing with. Will he get better this year? I doubt it. Um, nope. even, I'm sorry? Nope. nope. He's, yeah, he's yeah. just not a fantasy quarterback. He's just... Yeah. Um, I mean, even though the Ravens, and this is kind of crazy, I mean, you think that this would equal production, but even with the Ravens being the league leader in pass attempts, uh, Flacco still couldn't manage to take advantage and produce good fantasy numbers. So, yeah, I, I just don't see Joe Flacco being uh, too fantasy relevant. Uh, we all have him pretty low in the 20s um, consensus rankings among quarterbacks. Uh, consensus rankings for Joe Flacco is 26 among us four. So if that gives you any indication, uh, he's just not going to have a great year. None of us believe in him right now. Yeah, um, me, me, you, and Armando have him as a 25th quarterback. Brito thinks much, much less of him. He has him at number 34. Yeah, yeah. So that goes to show you what we think of Joe Flacco. I mean, he's exactly. he's a he's a good real time quarterback. He'll win you some games, but fantasy wise, there's just so many other options. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so to get off Joe Flacco, because he's really not much fantasy to talk about, um, let's talk a little bit about the running backs, which a lot of people are having questions on. So the running backs really to watch out here are the 30 year old Justin Forsett, Javorius Allen. Last year, uh, Forsett was on pace to be the 12th best fantasy running back in the NFL. Um, he had 151 carries and 641 yards uh, with two touchdowns, um, as well as 31 passes, uh, receptions for 151 yards. Now, after Forsett broke his arm last year, Javorius Allen replaced him uh, and did okay running the ball for 500 yards on 137 carries. It's not too bad for you know a, a handcuff, a back uh, fill-in. But Allen uh, was actually just as big as in the passing game with 350 yards and two touchdowns. Um, so that's just another strong indication that Tressman likes to pass to his running backs, as shown previously uh, throughout the years with Matt Forte. So in all in all, Forsett's a guy to own. Um, I really think that if he could stay healthy, he's going to be the guy to own, and he's going to get the majority of the work. If something happens, say midseason, you're going to be looking at Javorius Allen to really pick it up and take the, rain, uh, take the reins. I don't think Javorius Allen is draftable right now. Um, I think you should probably stay away from him unless you have Forsett and you need a handcuff. If you can't get the handcuffs for your other running backs, Forsett Forsett is interesting. I mean, he's not a bad he's not a bad running back to have on your bench. I know that he played technically ten games, but really, I think I think it was like the sixth or seventh play of the game that he got injured. Yeah. So right. we'll we'll throw that game out completely. Right. Factoring in his stats for over for for the nine games, he would have been one of the only running backs to reach over a thousand yards last year, and he was actually close to a hundred yards total per game. The thing is that he was lacking on the touchdown side, but his production wise, yeah. he, he he can give you the yards. And then every now and then he'll throw in a touchdown, which, you know, I have no problem with that. Right. And really, and the only reason I'm kind of iffy on Javoris Allen is just because the Ravens got a fourth-round draft pick, uh, Kenneth Dixon, okay. which is just as good uh, in pass-catching situations as Allen is. Um, so we're, we're going to see a little mix-up there. If, if the ball, if they call to Allen for a backup, uh, be on the lookout for Kenneth Dixon to eat into Allen's time. So it's not like going to be like Justin Fortissette is a you know a ball hog, and then Javorius Allen will be the ball hog. It's Justin Forsett goes down, then it's going to be probably a split between Allen and Dixon is what I'm what I'm projecting. I do want to add, Dale, since you brought up Dixon, there's a lot of people that are saying that Dixon will probably end up being the guy by the end of the season. Um, the guy that comes to my particular is Dave Richard from CBS Sports has been touting uh, Kenneth Dixon all offseason. Um, for me, I think that it's going to once again be the Justin Forsett show for the start of the season and for as, uh, however long he can stay healthy. Yeah. Um, in that offense, we know that we want they want to get the running backs the ability to catch passes out of the backfield. That's something that Mark Trestman will finally be able to um, – unleash in his offense now in the second year where he's really able to take the team and, and mold it as his own offense. Um, so I think Forsett has value. I just don't know how much Dixon is going to cut into it, um, especially later in the season. But as far as a guy early in the season, for example, if you are someone that drafts Le'Veon Bell and you miss out on D'Angelo Williams and you can get a guy like Justin Forsett later in the draft to be your fill in till Lev Bell comes back for me that's a very viable option yeah I'm, I'm going to be targeting Justin Forsett in a lot of drafts I mean being the 35th running back off the board is so uh, overlooked in my opinion it's it's crazy 35 people you know I, mean, I can understand the top 20 but after the top 20 you, you guys start looking at Forsett he's going to be 
he's going to be the majority of the you know taking the majority of the carries there um, for he's, quarterback he's old. going that People way. People don't want an old running back. Yeah, but he's good. That's the issue. Yeah, right. he doesn't have that huge upside, but he's he's going to be consistent for as long as he's the starter. Yeah, absolutely. All right, I'll finish it off with the wide receivers here. Uh, we have four that is are worthy of talking about. Um, <laughs> four that are not really that worthy. Of yeah, talking exactly. About. That's the issue. Exactly. Yeah, uh, I'm gonna name them in my order, and I'll probably get some hymns and halls from you guys. Uh, Steve Smith, uh, Perriman, uh, uh. <laughs> Wallace, and Aiken. <laughs> Um, Wait, you got Wallace over Aiken? I do. I do. Oh, my God. I have that. Okay. Listen. It, I have it. Aiken, Steve Smith, Perriman, Wallace. Okay. He, just, he, just, he put he put all four names in the one, and he just started throwing darts. And then yeah. whichever one he had I'll, first was number one and number two. Listen, Aiken, with, given his history last year, okay, let, let's look at what he did last year when he was with Flacco and Steve Smith on the field together. When they were together, his Aiken's 16-game pace – was only 50 receptions and 650 total yards with four touchdowns. You're giving Steve Smith way too much credit to be back from a terrible injury. I don't know. Um, I mean, last year he was on pace for 105 receptions. That's the highest of his career. So people, look, we better, we've been betting against Steve Smith for a long time. Um, I mean, for at least a couple of years now we've been yeah, saying that he's getting too old. Yeah, I mean, think about it. He was on pace for 105 receptions. Um, last year, he was ninth among wide receivers in points per game. Um, let's not make the same mistake of betting against him. I'm not saying he's going to be ninth in points per game this year, but don't bet against him and, and at least say that he's going to be the number one wide receiver on that team, at least. Um, it's, um, he's coming back as from the second worst injury that a skilled position player can have, an Achilles tendon tear. I see absolutely... No reason to put in stock to Steve Smith, um, especially where he's being drafted right now. I, I don't think it's worth it. I probably wouldn't draft any of these guys. It's just for where they're going, I would much rather have um, Kamar Aiken than have Steve Smith. Steve Smith's going ahead of guys like Corey Coleman, Marcus Wheaton, um, Willie Sneed. That is fucking absurd. I'll take those guys yeah. over him all day. Listen, I'm I'm not I'm not telling you. I'm giving you the value. Um, Steve Smith is going to have more fantasy points than any other wide receiver on the Ravens. Is he worth drafting as early as some others? Maybe not. Maybe it is better to get Perriman or Aiken later in the draft. Um, but I'm telling you, Steve Smith is going to be the wide receiver um, in Baltimore to get the highest po- fantasy points and over over the course of the year. Um, okay. Of course, Perriman. You know, we're all everybody's talking about him. Uh, mixed. You know, we haven't really seen him play. <laughs> Um, but if he's healthy, <laughs> if he's healthy, he's going to be a number two. Um, there's That's not a big if. Yeah, exactly. Um, he is on the pup list uh, in the in the preseason, um, and then of course you have Wallace, who's a deep threat. I don't expect much of him. Maybe three or four touchdowns and maybe six hundred yards or so. And then Aiken, you know, I already told you his 16 game pace last year was only 50 receptions and 650 yards. I bet you he's on that pace again this year. Nothing, nothing to sneeze at. Didn't he uh, win American Idol? <laughs> no, nobody knows what I'm talking about. No, we don't watch American Idol. No, that was some white country guy. You guys don't remember that guy? Clay I said Aiken. Clay Aiken. Yes, I said that. That that, that one American Idol. Yeah, like, it was like season like three, the second season. Yeah. Oh, did he win? No, he was runner up. I don't know. We'll Ruben talk, we'll, stuttered. We'll talk about that. All right, in the does not Idol matter. Podcast. I don't know why I'm talking about this. I'm so sorry. All right, so. Let's get into the Cleveland Browns. Let's start with RG3. (laughs) Listen, man, they're going to be better fantasy-wise this year than they've been in the past few years. It's my belief that they'll have some fantasy-relevant players. Um, It looks like it's going to be RG3 to start the year. Um, And while I don't necessarily believe that RG3 will be all that fantasy-relevant as a quarterback... Um, I do want to take note of how he might impact a couple of the wide receivers this year. So we got news today, actually, that Josh Gordon, um, who had been suspended for all of the 2015 season, um, is now, of course, going to be reinstated into the NFL after he serves a four-game suspension in 2016. Um, Josh Gordon's only 25 years old. We've seen him be the number one wide receiver in fantasy 
um, back in 2013 when he had 1,600 yards, nine touchdowns in 14 games. We've also seen him destroy your team in 2014 and miss all of 2015. He also so, he also had 88 yards rushing in that year. Don't forget. <laughs> right. So he, he added a little bit of value there. Um, and then you have also the rookie wide receiver, Corey Coleman, speedy guy, um, drafted out of Baylor, um, who's going right now as wide receiver 39, 95th overall. Both of their draft values are going to adjust. But the reason that I want to bring these guys up is that we've seen RG3 have a season um, back in 2013 where his number one wide receiver led the league in targets, which was Pierre Garçon back in 2013 with 184 targets. When you get 180-something targets, you're going to be fantasy productive no matter who you are. RG3 is a one-read quarterback who's going to focus in on a guy and throw the ball at him. So what interests me is to see whether it's going to be Corey Coleman or Josh Gordon, and if Josh Gordon can be even remotely back to form, he will have a ton of fantasy value. The problem is that there's always going to be one guy in a fantasy draft that's going to take him more earlier than I feel comfortable with, but um, that's about it for the wide receivers there. Anything you want to chime in there, Richard? Yeah, Josh Gordon. I mean, he was he was such a beast in 2013. Like he had he was averaging like about 120 yards receiving a game, and he had the touchdowns to match it. He's really young. He's only 25 years old, but it has been almost three seasons since he's played a full year. Do you think do you think too much time has gone by? Uh, I definitely do, but I think that he'll still be fantasy relevant if he's RG3's number one. Now, if, if Corey Coleman is RG3's number one, Corey Coleman is going to be in for a big season. Prior to this, I thought Corey Coleman would be in for a big season. Um, I don't know now. I think his draft value is obviously going to adjust. He's going to start to dip a little bit um, from that wide receiver 39. It'll probably start to dip you know, into the mid to lower 40s um, with the news of Josh Gordon being reinstated after four games. But I think he's still a fair draft value, and if you want to take a stab at him as your uh, fifth wide receiver – very high upside. I think it's worth it. Yeah, I'm, I'm not too. I'm, I'm no, not too concerned about um, about Josh Gordon's age. I know people. I know that's a lot of topic, but I mean, Kelvin Benjamin is older than Josh Gordon, and we all know that. You know, everybody loves Kelvin Benjamin this year, and nobody's talking about his age. No, um, no, yeah, we're, we're, I, I think we're in agreement. I, yeah, I think we're in agreement that his age. He's really young, but he hasn't played in a long time. That's that's the issue here. Yeah. Yep, use it or lose it. I don't know. Did I throw you completely there? I'm sorry. No, no. <laughs> I know. I mean, when you have that much physical talent, um, it's not like, you know, we haven't played basketball in a couple months, so we're going to go out on the court and we're going to suck. Um, I, I don't – I think Josh Gordon – A couple years. I haven't played basketball in a couple years. <laughs> I went to the you court know. the other day and I shot for like five minutes. It was too hot. <laughs> he went to the court the other day. He had an asthma attack and just left. <laughs> Oh man, I drove by the courts and I, you know, started to sweat, get, get some sweating. heavy breathing. Yeah, but you only drove by the courts because there was a Pokemon Go station there. Yeah, exactly. So let's go ahead and actually transition then into the running backs, starting with Duke Johnson and um, also Isaiah Crowell. It's very interesting. We've seen Hugh Jackson have success using two running backs back in Cincinnati for the past couple of years with Gio Bernard and Jeremy Hill. Um, so I see a lot of a very similar style of offense in what they can try to do in Cleveland where Isaiah Crowell will come in and be that goal line back for as many goal line carries as the Browns can get. And Duke Johnson will be that pass catching type of back very much like he was last year, but probably start to get more and more involved in the running game. So Duke Johnson had 104 carries last year, 379 yards, but also caught 61 passes for 534 yards and two touchdowns. So I see catches being probably about the same, maybe, you know, give him another 75 carries. So he should have a very productive year. But when it comes to his value right now in drafts, in standard, he's 31st overall. That's pretty good. When we're talking about PPR, he's going at 21 over uh, 21 in, as amongst running backs ahead of guys like Jeremy Langford, Matt Jones, 
even Ryan Matthews and Gio Bernard. Get the fuck out of here with that PPR ranking and that PPR. Exactly. With that, that draft value for Duke Johnson. There's no way that I'm taking him ahead of Ryan Matthews in a PPR league or taking him ahead of Gio Bernard in a PPR league. The hype train, as far as PPR, has gone a little bit too far. When it comes to Crowell, he'll be okay. He's gonna get. A, he's gonna be a guy who'll get to 180 something carries again, um, and a, you know score the ball five or six times. He'll be whatever type of guy. I don't see too much coming from him. All right. So last guy I want to talk about, as far as when it comes to the Browns, is Gary Barnage. Um, 79 catches, uh, over a thousand yards, nine touchdowns. Had really a breakout season as a 30-year-old tight end. Very interesting year last year. Um, the problem coming into 2016 is that RG3 is looking like he's going to be his quarterback. On top of that, you know, we know that he had some injury uh, problems um, early in June. He underwent surgery for a sports hernia. For that issue, everything seems like it's recovering normally. I don't have a problem with it. But RG3 is not the type of guy that focuses in on his tight end. It's never been in his track record. It worries me when it comes to Gary Barnage. If it was McCown, I would be much more optimistic as far as Gary Barnage's value, but right now, um, because it's looking like it's RG3, I'm a little bit worried. Oh, you have every right to be worried. I mean, I'm not touching Gary Barnage now. All right, well, that's pretty much going to wrap up this edition of our division previews. Um, Right now, Please stay tuned for an awesome interview that we had with Ross Tucker. Um, Just love listening to the guy. Stay tuned. All right, on the show with us now is Ross Tucker. Uh, For those of you who don't know, Ross is a retired NFL player. He's an entrepreneur, podcaster, speaker. Uh, You can hear him on several shows on SiriusXM in the mornings, uh, the Ross Tucker Football Podcast, and Fantasy Feast, um, and a million other places. Uh, You can follow him at Ross Tucker NFL. Um, Ross, thanks for joining us. How are you doing today? I am doing fantastic. And really, the shorter version of everything you just said is Ross is 37 and continues to try to find any way to avoid a real job. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, us too. <laughs> right. <laughs> um, all right, well, we're going to get to some fantasy stuff in a second. But I, I just want to talk to you a little bit about uh, being a former NFL player, spe- uh, specifically a former offensive lineman. Um, now, I know you played for the Bills in 2004, you missed the playoffs that year, and then you signed with the Patriots right after that who just won a Super Bowl. Um, as a fan, I would be ecstatic, you know, going from a team that missed the playoffs for five straight years, you know, going into a team that, you know, just won the Super Bowl at the top of its game. Uh, as a player, what do you go through emotionally? Are, are you excited about going to a better team? Is it business? Are you thinking money? Is it for playing time? Well, what's, what's going through your mind when you switch teams like that? So the answer is... uh, it's about money because when you're playing, you know, you realize you only have a short window to make that money. And you also know the damage that you're doing to your body and the injuries that you have, the surgeries that you have. So you're really trying to get as much financial security for your family for years, you know, as much as you can, as good of a financial head start as you can for you know the the risk you're taking with your body and the punishment that you're giving it so in that specific example it's really interesting because people have been talking about guaranteed contracts and all that stuff i saw i had uh, signed a three-year extension with the buffalo bills in 2004 i think i started 12 or 13 games we went nine and four in those games but i played the last four with a herniated disc in my back Oh, um, so what's crazy about that is I had a I had a and I'll just I can just tell you guys the numbers just because it's public anyway. But if I played eighty percent of the offensive snaps that season, I got a three hundred fifty thousand dollar bonus. Nice. Oh. Um, if we had won our last game against the Steelers, we would have made the playoffs, and that would have been, I believe, eighteen thousand dollars. Jeez. So. What's interesting about it is every snap counts. So I'm playing with a herniated disc in my back, and I, I think I ended up with like 84, 85% or whatever. 
But if we had played another game, I think I would have had to have played at least the 25 snaps if we're assuming that there was 60 for the game. Right. So to get the 350, um, all so that I can get an extra 18 grand. You know what I mean? So um, when we lost to the Steelers, I was so upset um, in the locker room, so upset on the field, showered, everything. And then when I got out, you know, to my car and I saw my wife, who was my fiance at the time, and my father-in-law, you know, I gave them big hugs and, you know, my eyes kind of filled up because I was so proud that I had gotten the 350 bonus because that's a significant amount of money and I had gone through a lot of pain to get that. I mean, I, I had gotten to the point where... I mean, they had, you know, I was taking two Loratab, two Flexerol, uh, a Tordal shot. And even that last game, my wife still had to um, to tie my shoelaces when I left the house. So it, it's a long-winded way of me saying, you know, when you're actually a player, it just becomes so much more real and so much more about, you know, the financial security for your family. Because winning is great. Of course you want to win. Of course you want to be on a good team, and of course you want to win the Super Bowl, but none of that stuff is guaranteed. You know, None of that stuff is stuff that you can actually count on. Right. So all you can really count on is the money you're going to get. And ironically, that was by far my best year in the NFL in every way. But then I had a back surgery in April to heal it, and I got hurt twice more in training camp, and the Bills ended up cutting me. So I didn't sign with New England per se. I got cut by Buffalo. I had a tryout every week for like 10 or 12 weeks, but I hadn't really proven that I could play after my back surgery. So eventually New England signed me, which was great because I played the last five games there and it was cool to be a part of a team going for a third straight Super Bowl. But um, you know, that's why guys want guaranteed contracts, and that's why I was just happy at that point to get signed by anybody. I mean, I would have been just right. as happy two weeks earlier to get signed by a terrible Houston Texans team. Right, right. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Good. Uh, that's a great answer. Um, Armando, do you have a do you have a question for Ross? Well, I was just curious, like uh, rookie hazing. Did you ever? Ha- I mean, and get into that while you were doing that in, in, Buff- in Buffalo or anywhere else. Uh, yeah, you know what? A, a little bit, but it's not that big a deal. Right. You know what I mean? It's like um, when I was a rookie, I think the only thing I really had to do was get breakfast sandwiches <laughs> for the guys on Friday mornings, right. which wasn't that big a deal, except they often wanted breakfast burritos, which were like 15 minutes away. <laughs> and. <laughs> You know, as a rookie, you had to be there at 6.30 in the morning. So, you know, you're going 20 minutes in the opposite direction to get <laughs> breakfast burritos at 5.40 a.m., and you're already exhausted. You've already hit the rookie wall. Uh, but it wasn't that big a deal. Right. And really, that's the only thing that I think that I remember that I had to do, um, other than the stuff that the team wanted you to do, which was to get there early, stay late, all that stuff. Right, of course. And then, and then a little bit late. I, I don't really remember much hazing. You know, mm-hmm. I mean, they're supposed to hold the bags when you're in drills. Um, you yeah. know, we usually did a rookie dinner where the old lineman would go out, and the the rookie that had made the team or was the draft pick would pay for our dinner, but. Not much is the answer. Right. I mean, you, and you were one of the bigger men on the team, too, so not many people are going to push you around. Yeah, <laughs> yeah it's, not, it's not really like that. I mean, I guess I've seen some instances where it can be like that, right. but no, I was never – Gotcha. It was never a physical thing. I, I've seen guys dumped in the cold tub and stuff like that, but I think it's probably a little overblown. Right, right. Yeah. Okay. Armando? Oh, that's, yeah, go ahead, Dale. Oh. Well, uh, I guess kind of gearing towards a little bit, you know, fantasy football here. Um, as far as offensive lines go, is does an offensive line make a running back that much better, um, or you know, a bad offensive line hurt a running back that much? Where you know, when we're evaluating these players early in the season, we can look at the O line and gauge 
where the running backs are going to be? I don't think there's any question. I mean, you know, now if you're truly great, a lot of times you can overcome that. I mean, Minnesota's offensive line wasn't very good last year, and Peterson still was highly productive. But, you know, look no further than a guy like DeMarco Murray. Yeah. Right? right. I mean, you see how productive he was in Dallas with that offensive line. Mm -hmm. Then he goes to Philadelphia, and part of it was scheme fit, and part of it was – you know, he wasn't exactly the same, but it was it was a precipitous drop for him, obviously. Mm-hmm. And really, you can say the same thing if you look at Darren McFadden. You know, Darren McFadden had his best year in a long time in front of the in front of the you know, the Dallas Cowboys offensive line as well. So yes, there is no question that that can have a big impact. And I'm actually surprised, given how popular fantasy football is. I'm actually surprised that more people don't get into fantasy football and more people don't get into the offensive line play specifically fantasy football and the impact that that will have on quarterbacks, receivers, tight ends, and probably most notably running backs because there can be a, a significant difference. And as you guys know, situation is a lot of it. Of course, yeah. right. Um, is there an O-line we should be paying attention to, like, besides the Cowboys, that might really affect fantasy football this year? Well, there's no question. I think a couple that I like that I think, you know, could be poised to have big years, Oakland is definitely up there. You know, when they bring in my favorite offensive lineman in the NFL, Kaleche Osemele, a.k.a. KO, yeah. and yeah. You, you pair him in the interior with Rodney Hudson – and Gabe Jackson, even having Donald Penn at tackle, you know, if they're not able to run the ball very effectively, then you got to put that primarily on Latavius Murray. You know, I mean, I, I'm higher on Latavius Murray than a lot of people just right. because I think they're going to get a lot of too high safety looks because of Derek Carr's ability to drive the ball down the field paired with Crabtree and Amari Cooper. So that's a lot of favorable run looks for Murray with that beastly offensive line, if he's even halfway decent, he should have a big year this year. So that's one that jumps out at me. I also think, you know, Green Bay's issue last year was mainly just one of injuries. I actually think that they're a much better unit than they get credit for and that that will probably bear itself out this year if they're healthy. I would expect Eddie Lacy, Aaron Rodgers, all of them to have better years. Yeah. Okay. Awesome. Um, I guess just to kind of wrap up here, we'd like to ask all our guests kind of the same question. And it got a, kind of a buzz on Twitter the last couple of days. We put out a poll, and it's so polarizing. I'd really want to ask you and see what your thoughts are on it. Um, not really fantasy relevant, but uh, I guess uh, part of the eat-sleep fantasy is the eating part. Um, so, say you go to a restaurant and you order steak medium. It comes back well done. Uh, how do you handle that situation? I eat a couple bites because I'm likely starving at that point because <laughs> if it went to well done, then think about how long it took to get you the steak, right? That's right. That's right. So I 100% eat a couple bites. Then I show the waiter the inside and say, this is well to, you know, this is well done. I, I asked for medium. This is not okay. Because if you're getting a steak, you're paying a lot of money for it. It's not okay. Yeah. Um, and then the only debate, and I tell them and they get me a new one, the only debate really at that point is how much more of the well-done one I eat before they bring me the medium one. Right. <laughs> so, so one, you ask you know, for, for the new steak, but then you leave it on the table to make sure that you have something to eat uh, so you're not sitting there with, a, with an empty uh, setting. Correct. I at least get a couple bites in because I'm I'm very likely starving at that point because I used to be 325 pounds. Um, but then I but then after that I uh, I, I definitely tell them. What what's the other option? Of course you tell them. You would be surprised. Uh, last night on the Twitter poll, I think we had 45 uh, percent say that they would just eat it and not say anything, which I think is crazy. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's not okay. I mean, you're paying too much money for a good steak, number one. Number two, you know, I'll say this. I respect those people, but, you know, you only get to live once. That's right, and our man. time is really valuable. And, 
that's not okay. And they should know that that's not okay. And you should let them know. <laughs> you do it in a polite way, but they'll be very accommodating because the waiter absolutely wants that tip and it's not his fault that the guy burns. That's right. Uh, thanks, Armando, for ruining the podcast. What was that? What was that, Armando? <laughs> it's a New York buzzer. Someone's trying to get into the building and they're buzzing. <laughs> nice, <laughs> leave, nice. leave, it, leave it to Armando to screw everything up at the last minute. No, no, you know what? See, stuff like that, I think, I like, I don't like listening to podcasts that you can tell, like, they go back and edit it and they go, like, to me, that's not the spirit of a podcast. That's right. You yeah, know what I mean? 100%. Like, it's, what's better, right? You guys taking the time to go back and edit, you know, that sound right there, or us just making fun of Armando, even though <laughs> there's absolutely nothing Armando can do about the buzzer like that. Exactly. But we can pretend like it's totally his fault and he ruined everything. <laughs> All right, man. Well, I'll, I'll let you go, Ross. Um, and uh, where, where, tell us again where we can find you and all that good stuff. Well, I, obviously, social media. Twitter's at Ross Tucker NFL or Facebook.com slash Ross Tucker NFL if you're a Facebook person. Um, all my podcasts are up at Ross Tucker.com or anywhere you find podcasts like this one. Probably most notable is uh, the Fantasy Feast as well as the Ross Tucker football podcast. And they do a bunch of TV and radio and stuff, but those are all big companies that already do a lot of advertising and make a lot of money. So don't worry about them. <laughs> yeah, Just worry about the Ross Tucker football podcast and the fantasy feast. If you're into the NFL and you don't know Ross Tucker, look yourself in the mirror and reevaluate your life because you, you need to know him and, uh, and everything. Uh, he has such a cool insight on everything NFL. Um, Ross. You're probably the same type of person that doesn't say, yes, I need a new steak when they bring your steak out. Well done. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I mean, I want I want listeners that get the right steak. Let's put that. Let's be very clear about it. <laughs> All right, man. Hey, again, appreciate your time. Appreciate you being on with us. Um, take care, and uh, maybe we'll cross paths again in the future. Yeah, thanks Anytime, a lot. Anytime, fellas. Uh, congrats on all the success, and uh, thanks for having me on. Thanks a lot, Ross. Have a good one. Bye. Goodbye. All right, well, we're back. Um, we just want to thank Ross Tucker so much for being on our show um, and, you know, actually <laughs> coming on to a, to a podcast like ours. It's, it's really cool that he would do that, and um, it's, it's just great talking to him. Yeah. Um, you know, we do want to say a couple things before we head out. If you are interested in being part of our listener league, Dale, tell them a little bit about that. Absolutely. Uh, we are doing a huge listener league. We've got... Uh, thank you, to, by the way, to all the listeners who signed up. We have an enormous amount of uh, emails to go through and, and compile the list of you, all the listeners. You have an enormous amount of emails to yeah, go through. Exactly. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, we, we the the response we've gotten has been awesome. I mean, I think we're going to do a, maybe a tournament-style league. I don't know. We'll see. We're kind of throwing ideas around still. We, we want to get some more of you uh, that are interested to sign up. Um, go to our website, eatsleepfantasy.com, uh, under the Submit a Question uh, button. There is a field to enter uh, for the Listener League. Just fill out your name, information, all that good stuff, and uh, just write us a message. Uh, tell us that you want to be in the Listener League, and uh, we'll sign you up. Uh, details to come. We're not exactly sure how it's going to be. We're not exactly sure who's going to be in it, but uh, it's going to be fun either way. Awesome. Well, that's pretty gonna, pretty much going to wrap up another episode of the Eat Sleep Fantasy Podcast. Thank you so much for joining us. Please head on over to iTunes and give us a review. Subscribe. And uh, subscribe. And buenas noches. Thanks, guys. Bye. And we like to play till the sun go down. Yeah, we like to play till the sun go down. And we take that town. And we take that town.